I want to pray one more time just for those ears to hear, anointed ears to hear and eyes to see the Lord this morning. Father, we thank you so much, God. We give ourselves and our hearts and lives to you. We give them away, but not just away to the world. We don't give our hearts and selves away to uh, personal passions and desires. We give ourselves to Christ. We give ourselves to you so that you can use us, God. And God, we give our minds to you and our hearts to you and our ears and eyes to you, Lord, that you would speak to us, God. We know we're, what a blessed people to have a, a God that wants to speak to us and be personal with us and be intimate with us. And you want to speak to us this morning in this house, God. And you want to help us and you want to strengthen us. We pray that we would be the obedient children to hear you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me if you want your Bibles to John chapter 9. And we're going, to, we're going to read portions of this. We're going to kind of skip through this chapter. We're going to read a lot of it, maybe no, more than normally we would open up with. Uh, this is our whole text, and we're going to refer back to it all day during this message. So if you're in John, John chapter 9, we'll read 1 through 3, and then we'll skip down to verse 6. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be mani made manifest. He's not saying that the man wasn't a sinner. We know that from the doctrines of the Bible, that all have sinned and come short. He's saying he wasn't blind because of sin. Uh, and it wasn't his parents' fault or anything like that. It, he was made, born blind from the founding, from his birth, that was God's purpose and plan because God wanted to be glorified through this man's life and through his healing, which we're about to see. So the Lord, I'm, I'm going to summarize some, but we'll read some more. He says, I must do the works of him that sent me. And then he says, he, the man was there in his presence and the Lord made uh, clay out of the, the, the ground that was in front of them and will put it on the man's eyes. It says he anointed his eyes. And when he had thus spoken, he spat, verse 6, on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed them, the eyes of the man, the blind man with the clay, and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. And so we see this miracle that takes place. But really what we're going to focus on more today is not just the miracle that took place, but all of the the fallout, all that, that came to pass after this. And so people saw him, people that knew him, remember he's blind from his birth. They see him and they say, is this, the, they see him seen. And they say, is this the man? Is this the same God? And even the people that knew him or, or were acquainted with him wondered if it was him. And he says, no, it's me. He answers for himself. I'm the, I'm the guy. Okay. And then, then the Pharisees come to him in verse 10. Therefore said they, the Pharisees, unto him, how were thine eyes open? It's almost like they want a formula. They want to know how this took place. How were thine eyes open? He answered and said, a man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said unto me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed, and I received my sight. Then said they unto him, where is he? He said, I know not, because he had, Jesus had departed for this time. And so then they, the Pharisees weren't satisfied with this, okay? They, they're not believing this, this is really what happened. And so they call the parents of the man. And this is a grown-up man. It's not like they really needed his parents. But they call the parents there, 
and, and they want to uh, you know, inquire of them in verse 15. Then again the Pharisees also asked him, how do you receive his sight? He said to them, he put clay on my eyes. Okay, he, he comes to the man, he tells him how he did it the second time. And then verse, he talks to his parents in verse 18. And the, the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been, that he had been blind and received his sight until they had called his parents. And how he received his sight, they, they asked him, saying, This is our son, whom, he, we, whom you say was born blind. How then doth he see? His parents answered them and said, we know, not, we know that this man is our son, and that he was born blind, but by what means he now seeth, we, do, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him. He shall speak for himself. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already, I think this is important, the Jews had already agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. And so then they come to the man again. I just, we're reading this for a purpose, y'all. He's going back and forth. They, they go to the, the people. The man answers for himself. They go to the man, the Pharisees, and he, he answers for himself as much as he knows. They go to the parents. They say, he's our son. We know he's born blind. We don't know how he sees. Ask him. They go back to him again. He says, I told you. Uh, verse 24 then again called the man that was they, they called again the man that was blind and said unto him give God praise we know that this man is a sinner speaking of Jesus he answered and said whether he be a sinner or no I know not one thing I know that whereas I was born blind now I see Amen. then said they to him again what did he to thee how opened he thine eyes look at verse 27 <laughs> He answered them, I have told you already, and you did not hear. You did not hear. Where would, wherefore would you hear again? Will you also be his disciples? Then, then they got really angry with him. This has gone on as far as they were concerned. This has gone on long enough. It says they, they railed on him. They reviled him. And, and he says, look, why do you think it's so strange, just because you don't know who he is, that, that he opened my eyes? Have you, have you ever heard of a blind man's eyes being opened? He said, this is a miracle of God. And if he was a sinner, I don't know everything about this man that healed me. I know his name was Jesus. But if he was a sinner, he couldn't do works like this. And they reviled him and cast him out of the synagogue. They cast him out of, not just literally put him out that day. They put him out of the synagogue. You're no longer part of this. And they cast him out. And uh, they said, you're a sinner. You're trying to teach us about the things of God. And Jesus didn't leave the man like this. And this is the best part of the story in verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, so Jesus heard they put him out, and he went and found him. He sought him out and found him. He wasn't going to leave him in that state. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? The blind man answers, and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. This is one of my favorite story, stories in the Bible, because the man's eyes were opened twice. They were opened twice in, in just a matter of moments. And I just began to think how greatly 
our God can work and how quickly Jesus Christ can save, how quickly he can transform a life when men do what? When men believe. And we saw a stark contrast between the blind man who, as far as we know, he wasn't a Pharisee, he wasn't in the, the educated religious crowd, and, and, and we see a stark contrast between him and the Pharisees. And, and why one man had the Lord work in his life and why others did not. And there's a scripture in Mark, and you don't have to turn there, but Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Amen. And so this man went from being blind, from birth, being blind, to and being blind, spiritually lost in his sin, to receiving his sight and coming to faith in Jesus Christ in a matter, I would say, maybe of hours. In a matter of hours, his life was transformed. And I began to think what God can do and will do for those men and women and young people that believe in him. It's such a simple truth, but it is a truth. Jesus answered and said unto them, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Why do some men, this is our, our thought for the day, why do some men hear God's word through sermons like we're hearing this morning, through scriptures when you read your Bible, through the gospel message, through counsel that God sends a Christian counselor into your life? Some men hear that and are benefited by it. Like the blind man. Would you say he was benefited? He received his sight? Bam. And then he, he comes to know Christ in the same day. They're benefited by it. They prosper. They find victory. They find healing. They find strength. They find health. They find deliverance. They, uh, they grow in Jesus. Why is it that some can hear the word of God and immediately they're benefited by it and others can hear the word of God, his truth for them, okay, 10,000 times, literally 10,000 times and still not be helped by it. It has no effect upon them. They remain unchanged. They still remain blind. They still remain in their position of need. You know that is a fact, right? That, that, is, that is the way it is. They can, people like this that I'm describing, they can and do hear 10,000 anointed sermons. They receive godly counsel for their lives. They see, may receive counsel hours a day, every day, weeks upon weeks, months upon months, year after year. They receive godly counsel, right counsel from counselors that God sent to them to speak into their life. And they still don't, quote, get it. They still are not helped by it. They're, they're right back where they were as though they'd never heard it. They've heard it 10,000 times. And they're right back where they were as though they had never heard it. That's not God's purpose and plan in his word. That's not, he says, my word which I have spoken, he goes, it shall not return unto me void. He wants it to accomplish something. His word is, his word is power. Okay, his word is like a fire and like a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces, the Bible says. It's like a fire. Is not my word like a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rocks? He is, when he sends that word forth, he, is, he has an intent and a purpose in it going out. 
we sometimes just talk off the top of our heads. We just talk and, you know, jabber and say things and, and no real purpose in it. And half of it's nonsense and we don't know what we're saying. We get nervous, we talk too much, whatever. Uh, the Lord speaks. He spoke creation, let there be light. Okay? He speaks it. He has a purpose in it. And yet we find people that will go to church. They'll go sit at the sermon and hear it. They'll go to the Christian minister. They'll go to the Christian counselor. But they aren't truly changed by it the way God intends for them to be changed by it. And I just want to read this scripture. If you're taking notes, I'll tell you where it's coming from. Ezekiel 33, 32. That whole passage at the end of chapter 33 is wonderful. And it says, this scripture here says, And lo, the Lord speaking to Ezekiel. He's the prophet to the people, right? And lo, thou art unto them. There's a rebellious people. And God's about to bring judgment. Lo, thou art unto them is a very lovely song of one that has a pleasant voice and can play well on the instrument. For they hear thy words, but they do them not. This was a rebellious heart. They came, oh, what, what, let's hear what the word of the Lord is from Ezekiel. And there was a no intent or purpose on their hearts to do what he was saying to them. No intent to repent. No intent to seek after God. No intent to humble themselves in sackcloth and and fasting and so forth and, and to stop worshiping their idols and so forth and turn to, to the Lord. They came and they said, you're just like somebody's got a beautiful song to them. I think our churches are filled with a lot of people like that. They come and they, it's soothing to them. Maybe the sermon is soothing to them. The Sunday school, the music, the whole atmosphere, it is pleasant. It's the Lord's house and they want to be around people that aren't cursing and fighting and screaming and they come. And, but we come and we sit but he says here, these people, they, for they hear thy words, but they do them not. And God was intent to bring the judgment. He did bring the judgment upon him uh, in Ezekiel's day. But God wants us, y'all, this is a very simple message this morning. But God wants us to be helped. He wants us to be helped by his word, by his presence, by his wisdom, by his spirit going forth. Uh, from his word, from the message, from the pastor, from the Sunday school, from your own personal reading, from your prayer time. He wants men to be helped. He wants lost men to be saved. <clears throat> he wants sick people to be healed. He wants us to be strengthened. He wants us to be, to be comforted. He wants men to be delivered from sin. Not just come and stay in your same. Even as a believer, we come and we have uh, what we might think of as a besetting sin or sin that maybe we've gotten comfortable with. And it has a, more of a hold on us than other sins that fell off of our lives, so to speak. He, he's ready, more than ready, for you to be delivered from that thing. But we come and we sit, we hear it again, and we leave unchanged so often. That is not God's intent. He wants you to be helped. Every single time that you pick up your Bible and read it, every single time you come to this altar, every single time that you hear a sermon preached, there is a purpose in it. I pray all week God speaks to my heart. He speaks to other people's hearts. Those that are teaching Sunday school. And the word that's brought is not just something to plug up a time. Because it's what we do on Sunday mornings. We have a sermon. And on Wednesday nights we're studying the life of Moses. It's not just filling a gap of time for the people of God. It is the Lord Almighty, if we would believe that, 
speak into our hearts, and he wants that word to have an effect, a good effect. He wants it to change your life. He, if you're whatever he, if you're if you're bound up in fear, he wants you to be delivered from that fear. Not a month from now, but today. If you're confused and you're you're tormented with confusion and not sure uh, what way to go in life or how to handle something or how to raise your children, whatever it may be. He wants to bring clarity to that. Not sometime just down the road. When he's speaking the word, he's speaking that word to clear your mind up. Okay? He's speaking that word to bring peace to your heart if you're worried or fearful. He's, he's speaking to give us direction. He wants us to, to live with hope. He wants us to live with joy and a joyful expectation. And he's bringing that through the ministry. You know, he says he gave apostles, pastors, teachers, prophets, evangelists, and so forth for the perfecting of the saints, for building up the body of Christ. He had a purpose in giving those. He said, I gave, gave gifts to men. You know, the gifts that he's given, that's not the only gifts, but in Ephesians, he was talking about the gifts of the ministry to the body, specifically to believers, that he gave those to men. For what? For the maturing or the perfecting of the saints. He had a purpose in it. Those ministries of the word by the anointing of the Holy Ghost coming through. I'm not talking about false teachings, false doctrines. What God has given is good. Amen? And He wants it to be received, and His good gift is to transform the life. The blind man was blind. God wanted to receive His sight. The blind man didn't know Jesus. He wanted him to come to know Him and worship Him. It had an effect. He had a purpose in, in healing Him and come putting, making spit you know, spitting on the ground and making clay, mud and putting it on his eyes. He had a purpose in that. It wasn't a show. It was that God might be glorified. We, we already read that. But for the blind man to be healed. He told him what to do. Go wash in the pool. He went. He came seeing. There's a purpose. It was very uh, perfect. It wasn't just, like I said, somebody talking with nice, lovely words. It wasn't just like in Ezekiel, the people came. You're like, you're like one that has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. Jesus is not just coming with a pleasant voice and is one that can play well on an instrument. My word is like a fire and like a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces. My word will not return void uh, and so on. Let there be light. There was light. There's a response to his word. There needs to be a response in our hearts and lives and minds to the Lord. He has a purpose in it every time. And so I'll just uh, read this from Daniel chapter 10. You can turn there if you want to, 18 and 19. Daniel had been praying and fasting. This is the second half of, of the, the book of Daniel when God's bringing these revelations of, of future uh, kingdoms and events and of God and God's kingdom. He had been praying and fasting three weeks, seeking the Lord. God sent the angel Gabriel to speak to him. Then there came again and touched me one like the appearance of a man, and he strengthened me and said, O man greatly beloved, fear not, peace be unto thee, be strong, yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. I think it's interesting to know that that has stuck out to me before, stood out to me, that Daniel says, when he had spoken to me, I was strengthened. How can words strengthen anybody? Well, God's word can. God's words can. God can bring his word to you through another believer. 
God can bring his word to you when you're private prayer time and reading your Bible. God can bring his word to you through a sermon, through a Sunday school lesson, through a devotional, through a Thursday night Bible study. God can bring his word to us, and his word strengthens us. Daniel said he had fasted three weeks and prayed, and he was probably weak physically in a lot of ways, and maybe distressed, crying out to God. But when God sent his man to speak to him, he says, when he spake unto me, I was strengthened. God strengthens us. He has an intent, a purpose in his word going forth. It is not like any other word. It's not just a good word. It's not just words with good thoughts and so forth. It's not even just words of truth, although it is that. It's more than that. His words are life. The words I speak unto you, they're spirit and their life. And he intends for that to have an effect on us this morning. We ought not, and I will not leave here this morning exactly the way I came. There ought to be something God has spoken to me that I've laid hold on by faith that will change me. Maybe it's a little bit. You know what I mean? Maybe it's just a little bit. As we're believers, it just we grew a little bit more. We, we got a little bit more clarity on something that we were confused about. A little more burden was lifted from our lives. It may be something really profound. You may be baptized in the Holy Spirit this morning. You might give your life to Christ this morning and be changed. But I would just say this. We see a great picture of this in John 9 with the, with the blind man. How quickly and how mightily the Lord can change a life when we believe. How quickly and mightily. It didn't take, take 10,000 sermons for the blind man to receive a sight. He didn't hear 10,000 messages on healing and God's power to heal. He didn't hear 10,000 messages on a common Savior and a Messiah. And yet he had his eyes opened and he had his heart opened and he felt the feet of Jesus and he says, I believe, and he worshiped him. That fast, in response to the Lord and to his word, God wants to do that in our lives. Amen. How quickly he can work in our lives, and we see the opposite taking place with, with the Pharisees, how hard their hearts were. Let's look back at a couple of scriptures just real quickly. The Pharisees in verse 17, they say unto the blind man, chapter 9, 17, again, now this is the second time they've come to him, what sayest thou of him that he hath opened thine eyes? The blind man says, he, he said he's a prophet, but the, the, the Pharisees don't believe that he's a prophet. Verse 25, the blind man answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know is, whereas I was blind, now I see. They're still not believing. <laughs> and yet, the, this man is so quick to believe. This man's quick to believe. You know, the, the Pharisees in this story, and all through the New Testament in Jesus' day, all right? The, these Pharisees were privy to the same scriptures that Jesus preached. He preached the Old Testament, right? He preached about Noah was three days and nights in the belly of the whale, so shall the Son of Man be three days and nights in, uh, in the heart of the earth. And he, he preached from the Old Testament. The Pharisees were more aware than anybody of their day of the scriptures, specifically the prophecies concerning the coming of their Messiah. And yet they weren't benefited. Some were, very few, but some of the Pharisees did, did come to be followers of the Lord, but they, they didn't believe, and, it, it, and we had read it earlier in John chapter 9, they already agreed. Before this blind man was even healed, the Pharisees had a, know, knew about Jesus very well, 
they had already agreed amongst themselves that if anybody would confess, if anybody that you hear confesses Jesus as Lord and Messiah, he's going to be put out of the Messiah. I mean, out of the temple. So they, they out of the synagogue. They had already agreed upon that. And so God's words have no effect. The same word of power, the same prophecies, the same Jesus that healed the blind man was walking right next to the Pharisees. He dealt with them at several times about their hypocrisy and, and unbelief. But the point is, it's the same God, the same Savior, the same Messiah. To me, here's a key verse. Uh, I'll just quote it to you from Hebrews 4, verse 2. Hebrews 4, 2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. He's speaking about the children of Israel out in the wilderness. He's actually saying the gospel was preached. The author of Hebrews is saying it was preached to us. And it was preached to our forefathers in the wilderness, okay? But the word preached did not profit them. Why wouldn't the word of God profit someone? Did not profit them not being mixed together with faith in them that heard it. Again, this is simple thought. It's not going to be something you're not familiar with. But the word did not profit them, the Israelites in the wilderness, they died how? They died in the wilderness, but they died specifically in unbelief, is what the Bible says. The word did not preach unto them, did not profit them, not being mixed together, that means to mingle, to blend together with faith in them that heard it. Perfect picture of the, of the scribes and of the Pharisees and the Sadducees of Jesus' day as a whole. God's word, y'all, is to be believed. This is not. This is not just again. Uh, I'm going to go to. I'm going to go to this Christian seminar. I'm going to go to this Christian church. Uh, I've heard good things about it. And we pop in, and it's just like a little, a little therapy session, where it just touch touches us and and makes us feel happy. A lot of people in America and the church today are going to church where they want to be made to feel happy for a little while. It's like a. Uh, it would be like an alcoholic would want to go to happy hour and get drunk for a while to forget their cares of life. There are people in, in the name of the Lord that go to churches. They want a quick fix and they want to be uh, they want to be made to laugh. Maybe this this day they're in the mood to cry a little bit and they want to just be touched and, and they're not affected in their heart of hearts. And God's word is not for that purpose. Man can pervert it. Man can try to manipulate it in that way. But God's word never had that intent. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It's going to accomplish what I sent it to do. That means he has a purpose in it. Okay? Noah was a preacher of righteousness, the Bible says. We don't read of any that got converted. But you know what? In his day. But we know that he accomplished what God had him to do. Clinton used to say that all that didn't get saved got damned. You know what I'm saying? It was one or the other. People, uh, they were destroyed in the flood. They, nobody got on the boat with them. His family did. But the point is, he was a preacher of righteousness. God's word is going to accomplish what he sent it forth to do. And so, uh, it's, his word is to be believed. His word is to be obeyed. His word is to be practiced. Men are to lay hold on it. And, and, and we become responsible for that, y'all. I become responsible for this. 
We're not the only Christian church around. We're not the only, what I would say, good church or that preaches right doctrine. There are others, but we are one. I believe that, or I wouldn't be standing up here. And when we come, we have, we're given much. We're given much of the truth of God's Word. In our prayer meetings, they're wonderful. A lot of truth goes forth. Even those that stand up and pray or read scriptures or get behind here and open us in prayer with a little exhortation in Sunday school, Wednesday nights, so forth. We're, we're given a lot of truth. We are responsible for that. I want it. We, we should want it. Okay? But we also have a responsibility to lay hold upon it by faith. And that is individually up to you and me to come with your heart prepared. We don't just show up to church and we, we start getting a little spiritual halfway through Sunday morning service. We ought to come with our hearts prepared. We ought to come with ready to worship when the first song and the strum on the guitars play. We ought to be ready to worship God. And we're coming for a purpose too. Just like God's got a purpose in this. We're fellowshipping with God, meeting God, worshiping God, praising Him. But also we're coming to be with the Lord and to be changed by the Lord. To sit before the Lord like Mary did at the feet of Jesus and hear his words. And the Bible says she had chosen that better part that was not going to be taken away from her. That's what Jesus said in that scripture about Mary and Martha. That better part was to sit at the feet of Jesus and to hear his words. Amen. And to receive it. God's word is not a fairy tale. God's word is not a suggestion. God's word is not an opinion. It's not a motivational message to get us through the day. His word is not food for thought that I'll think it over. His word is not to be tried like we try new branded toothpaste, see if we like it better. That is not his word. His word is to be believed, it's, and he is to be, be believed. And he links himself with his word, the faithful God and the faithful creator. We don't have God over here and his word over here. He is one of the names of Jesus is the word of God. And he has identified and linked himself to his word with a childlike faith. And I don't mean childlike in the sense of weak, but I mean childlike in the sense of a simplicity with a childlike faith. That no matter what people say, no matter what the scientists say, no matter what my college professor says, no matter what they're saying on CNN, I believe God. It's a childlike faith. This man that was blind just believed the Lord with the childlike faith. When he said, go wash in the pool, he didn't say, well, that's stupid, Lord. That pool, there's nothing in that pool that's special. He didn't get into a mental argument over it. With a childlike faith, Jesus put spit in the mud, put, his, put it on his eyes, and said, go wash in the pool. And the man let him put the clay on his eyes, and when he said, told him what to do, he went and did it. And because he did that, he returned how? Seeing. He had never seen before. It was simple response to the Word of God. And, and, and as well, at the end of that, like again, the favorite part is that he opened his eyes twice because he, he wasn't through dealing with that man. He would have died in his sins had he not come to know the Lord. He even did, he knew his name, but he didn't know. I don't know if he, I think he's a prophet. That's what he told the Pharisees. I think he's a prophet. Well, he was a prophet, yea, and more than a prophet. Amen? He's a son of God. And Jesus found him. And it was simply three or four verses. He says, Do you believe in the, in the Son of God? Who, who is he, Lord, that I might believe in him? That's what he said, that I might. In other words, you tell me, and I'll believe. Not who is he, Lord, so that I can critique and wonder if that's really him, and, and frown, and in my intellect, try to decide if that's the right one. 
who is he, Lord, that I might believe? Well, he's already talked, you know, you're looking at him now, is basically what he said. And he's the one that's been talking to you, and is talking to you now, and you've seen him. And he says, I believe, and he fell at Jesus' feet. He fell, I believe, and he worshiped. That's the only right response. There's no other proper response. The proper response is not, that's interesting, Lord. That's quite a claim you're making. Let me go think about that. The proper response when God is speaking, and that was the Lord, who had opened his blind eyes and now introduced himself to the man spiritually, is to believe in him. And he believed. And he fell at his feet and worshipped him. But uh, it, it's, it's just interesting to me how quickly and amazing how quickly the Lord can work, how quickly he can move a person from, from unbelief to faith or from healing, you know, sick to being healed. It's nothing for the Lord. But we do have to respond to him by faith. I think about this man, this blind man. I think about the Samaritan woman at the well that Jesus met in the middle of the day. Both of those were kind of similar to me in the sense that he took them from point A to point Z in a hurry. It didn't take long. They just followed along. When he spoke and, and began to reveal himself to the woman at the well and to this blind man, when he did something for them or spoke something, they just went along. They just moved along by faith. And by the end of the, the passage, the blind man is worshiping at the foot of the feet of Jesus. By the end of the, the encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well, she is going and, and rounding up the city, this, this uh, immoral woman who has come to know the Lord, and she's rounding up people and saying, we found him. We found the Messiah. Isn't this the Messiah? She, she went real quickly from A to Z. And it was just, and the Pharisees were around him all the time, maybe, and did not believe. They would not believe. The Bible calls that, and we know in Hebrews, an evil heart of unbelief. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But today, while it's called today, it says exhort one another, right? Hear the voice of the Holy Ghost. And so we're to, to, to hear. And we could say, well, you know, that, that's those Pharisees. Those, they were hard-hearted, uh, you know, hypocritical Pharisees. Yes, they were for the most part. But we can, in one sense, be like them, even as true Christians that are believers in the Lord. We can refuse to heed the counsel that God gives us. We can refuse to be helped when the Lord wants to help us. I have honestly met people in my life, and I'm not saying they can't change and be different today, but I've met people that are, refuse to be helped. They refuse to be helped. You could counsel with them straight from God's Word, from the throne of God, for eight hours a day, for every day a week, for the rest of their lives, and they refuse to be helped. They won't. You finish eight hours of counseling, you know where they bring you? In the eight hour and one first second after that, they want to start back at the beginning. Yeah, but here, here's why that won't work for me. And you just, you, you, you throw your hands up. I don't want to be that way. Okay, be like a dad who's trying to teach his son or a daughter or a coach trying to teach uh, an athlete some, some skill that they don't have. Look, if you, I promise you, if you would just try this way, if you would, when you're throwing a baseball, if you would step your right hand, if you'd step with your left foot, and throw with your right hand, that will work for you. And the kid just refuses to listen. They keep stepping with their right foot and 
throw with your right arm. That doesn't work that way. If you'll step with your left foot and throw with your right hand, that'll work. And the parent or the coach tells them a thousand times. But if you'll just try it, if you do what I say, I promise it'll be good for you. It's kind of what the Lord's saying to us. Now, they can get it. It's not that they can't. It, it's, I, I just don't want to be that one that has to hear it. And I'm not excluding myself from, from this. But the Lord wants us to believe Him, to receive Him, to receive it quickly, and as a result, to be helped. Whatever that is that's needed in your life. Whatever is needed, more strength, more maturity, more uh, strength against temptation, more wisdom to, to navigate through your life, more wisdom to, to parent or to be a better husband or wife. He wants us to, to get it, to receive it. How many sermons, and I'm about to close, but how many anointed sermons and Sunday school lessons do I need to hear or preach in my case? How many do I need to hear sermons about giving, for example, before I actually start to give? How many sermons do I need to hear about? Be patient, let God handle it, instead of trying to fix it yourself every time. How many sermons do I need to hear about that before I'm patient and I go to God and trust Him to handle it? How many sermons do I need to hear about sharing the gospel? We talk about it a lot on Sunday nights when people get up and we're praying for the lost and we pray, God, give us a burden for the lost. And I'm speaking to myself. How many more words of exhortation from the Lord do I need to hear from that about that before I start to share the gospel with other people regularly? How many sermons or anointed lessons do I need to hear that about seeking God like David as a heart pants after the water book before I will start to seek God like David? You understand what I'm saying? How much does it take? When is enough enough uh, and I don't think there's an actual answer to that. My response to my own question, how many sermons is enough before I will actually start practicing that? My answer, I want it to be, Lord, no more, in the sense that I, I want to lay hold on it today. I want to start acting upon it today. The counsel that you've spoken into my life for years, I want to, I want to heed it. Heed it. And start walking in it today. I don't want to have to hear another sermon about this. I want to, I want to be able to grow in that and move on to something else, so to speak. I, want, I know there will always be, as long as we're in this life, growth. And room for growth in our lives. And a need to, for the Word of God to minister to us and to speak to us. But I'm just saying, how many times do I have to hear the same counsel over and over, the same sermons myself, before I will lay hold on it? And I want to say, God, no more. You, you've told me. This inaction is sin on my part. I need to step out by faith. I need to go wash in the pool of Siloam and come see it. I need to fall at the feet of worship at Jesus and believe Him and worship Him. I don't need another sermon on that. I want to grow in that. Amen? I want to, I want to mature in that. But God has given us these... these uh, faithful people in our lives to speak the truth to us and he wants us to lay hold on he wants us to be helped by it and he wants us to stand upon it and oftentimes we don't stand upon it we hear the word of god we know it to be true we receive it as being true 
but we don't stand upon it. We don't like hold our ground. I forget which one of David's mighty men that's mentioned in the Old Testament stood on a little plot. This is about the size of an acre of, I forgot how, of lentils or something. He defended it. You know, he stood his ground by himself and he fought off all the Philistines that were coming against him. We need to lay hold almost in that same manner. Whatever God's speaking, Samuel didn't let any of God's words fall to the ground. I've let a lot of God's word fall to the ground. I don't want to, though. And it's not intended to just fall on the ground. Like, we shouldn't let our U.S. flag touch the ground, right? The American flag. He, we ought not let God's word fall to the ground. We need to lay hold on it. And it's a personal thing by faith. Where we come ready. We come, Lord, speak to me through your word. When you Monday morning, you wake up and start reading your Bible. And we lay hold upon it. And we stand upon it. And how quickly God can change us. How quickly he can lift the fear. How quickly he can lift the worry. How quickly he can uh, lift the agitation and strife from your, from your life. And give you peace instead. When we lay hold upon these things of God. The man was healed quickly, right? It, it was not a big long process. He didn't have to have uh, 20 treatments of going to wash in the pool of Siloam. He went and did what the Lord said and he came seeing. And, and I think God, God wants to do so much more in our lives through the ministry of the word than what I'm allowing him to do because my ears get dull of hearing or just simply inaction on my part. He's told me what to do, but I don't lay hold on it. And I don't stand upon it. And I don't put it in practice Monday morning when, you know, when church is over and we start back our, our week. He wants us to. He intends for us to hear and to believe. And he intends for us to be changed. And I'm just close, closing with this thought. I think about Jesus. Indeed, you can come in, uh, in Matthew 23 where he stands up and he's looking over the city. And he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you know, that which uh, kills the prophets, stone those that are brought to you and so forth. How often I would have, and you can almost fill in the blank, how often I would have gathered you, but you would not. And how often God wants to minister to us. We come to him with burdens. We come to him and say, Lord, I'm, I'm too shy to, uh, I got this fear every time I go to stand up for Christ publicly. How often he wants to help you and strengthen you to, where, to give you the boldness, and we would not. We tell him our need, but we don't stick around for the answer. We don't stick around to let him impart by this spirit boldness. That's just an example. Or I come to him, Lord, Lord, I'm so tired of being fearful and worrying all the time about things I can't change. You tell me not to worry. I know it's not. And we pray that, but we don't stick around long enough to, to have him minister to our lives and give us his peace and impart that to us. Or maybe teach us a pattern of life to walk in where our minds are stayed on him. Right? That will keep him in perfect peace his mind is stayed on me because he's trusted in me. And so we need to, to lay hold how often the Lord says, I would have helped you. And I'm paraphrasing, and you would not. And I just, I just pray that there's some type of revelation on this and some type of apprehending of this this morning, a laying hold upon it. And the altars are open, but I, again, I think about Ezekiel with the people that came to him as one that played an instrument well, and it says he has a pleasant voice, and they hear my words, but they do them not. That should not be us. That shouldn't be one person here this morning. 
we should hear his word. We should with the holy fear and trembling be grateful and thankful and say, God, thank you for speaking to me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try by faith. I want to lay hold on you. I want to lay hold on your truth. I want to lay hold on your word for me. I don't want it to let, let it fall to the ground. I want it to have an effect on me. Like the blind man who went just in simple obedience and came seeing. I need, I need to start stepping out on the things that I know to be true and walking in those things. And I thank God he is patient. Amen. I've had to hear things 10,000 times over and over. I'm not judging someone. I'm including myself in the same group of people. But I want there to be a difference. I want when somebody gives me godly counsel that I receive it. When he opens my eyes and shows me, I want to walk in that. If he's speaking to me about forgiving others, if he's speaking to me about bitterness in my heart, whatever it may be, that I would give that to God and really be changed. How quickly he can change us, amen, if we'll let him. Father, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord. And I want to thank you, God, for how quickly you can transform a life. The blind man came seeing. The blind man, after he came to see, came to know Christ. Quickly, God. The Samaritan woman came to know the Lord and her sins were forgiven. Quickly. God, we want to be that way and not like the Pharisees. Even Christian Pharisees were born again and we, <clears throat> we just come to church because it's our habit. We read our Bibles because we know we're supposed to read our Bibles. We go seek godly counsel because we, we know we're supposed to seek godly counsel. But Lord, give us the faith to lay hold and to heed it and to be changed by Almighty God that our lives would be transformed. We wouldn't be in the same rut spiritually. If you're leading us into the ministry, we want to go to the ministry. We want to do what you've called us to do. If you're leading us to start sharing the gospel, which you are, we want to tomorrow or today start sharing the gospel. I pray that you would help us, God. I pray that you would strengthen us. I pray you'd forgive us, forgive us for our in, uh, inactivity, our idleness when you are speaking by your word to move us, your word of power. Forgive us, God, for unbelief. Forgive us for ears that become dull of hearing and eyes that are dull of seeing. Pray that your word would have fresh and free course in our hearts and lives and minds, even today, God. In Jesus' name, you just seek the Lord. Call upon the Lord before, before we leave today. <clears throat>